you got to get passionate about this thing. If the cross doesn't move you, nothing will move you. I'm offering you something that's greater than silver and gold. I'm offering you something that's greater than an increase in your pay on your job. I'm offering you a... There's no shortcuts to the glory. Week to week living. We've got to multiply our prayer life. We've got to multiply our efforts. And we are willing to give. God will always give it back to us in good measure that is pressed down, shaken together, and running over. Hey, thanks for checking out our Christian Life Church podcast. You will be hearing from one of our pastors or guest speakers, either at our Frankfurt or Lebanon campus. Prepare your hearts and your minds to receive a word from God. Thanks for listening. Enjoy and receive this message. He's the most beautiful. Amen. All right, stop. All right, we're going to read from 2 Timothy chapter 4, verse 2, and it reads like this. Preach the word. Be instant in season, out of season. Reprove, rebuke, exhort with all longsuffering and doctrine. For the time will come when they will not endure sound doctrine, but after their own lust shall they heap to themselves teachers having itching ears. They shall turn away their ears from the truth and shall be turned into fables. But watch thou in all things, enduring affliction, do the work of an evangelist, make proof of thy ministry. For I am now ready to be offered, and of the time of my departure is at hand. I have fought a good fight. I have finished the course. I have kept the faith. Tonight, by the grace of God, a simple title that says, The Fight, the Finish, the Faith. I want to pray that God would have his way tonight. I know in my body that God needs to do a work, and there's been so many needs in this place. I feel God has something for us in this day and this hour. Amen. Can we pray tonight? Lord, we thank you, Jesus. God, I pray you'd have your way in my lips, Lord. Let me speak under your anointing, God. I pray that you would let me speak with clarity with understanding, Lord. Don't let my flesh stand in the way of your presence, God. Thank you, Lord. I pray let me be an oracle, Lord. Let me be used of you, God, in all ways. I pray that you would have your hand upon us tonight to hear your word. God, to hear what you would have for this church in this hour, Lord. We thank you, Jesus. We thank you, Jesus. Amen. Why don't you turn to your neighbor, say the fight, the finish, and the faith, and you may be seated. Amen. Since it's graduation weekend, I thought I would do some reminiscing myself. And I'll never forget, in our yearbook, they would always ask things, and probably most of your yearbooks, they would ask the same, who's going to be the best looking in 10 years, and who's going to be the most successful, and who's going to be the one that doesn't quite make it? (laughs) Who's going to be musically inclined, and who's going to make it far? And so I just wanted to take a few Uh, looks back and even to our graduating class, I want to speak a little bit to you guys tonight um, about where you're at. First of all, in 2001, the song of the summer that just kept us going was this new artist named Alicia Keys. I don't know if you've heard of her, but she sang this song called Fallen, and for some reason, everybody in high school thought they were Alicia Keys, and they'd sing that starting four or eight bars, and it would just drive you nuts. It was like the worst version of American Idol you could ever imagine. It was off. It's like For the love of God, I hope that song just goes away at some point. I don't know if it ever has. But then they would ask, who's the most likely to succeed? And we had this kid that learned calculus in like ninth grade. He skipped a class 
easy pick. So everyone picked this kid and uh, had a name nobody could pronounce. It was amazing. And they would move forward in, in a category I used to like. And I thought, man, if there's any chance, it was in this category. And it was, who is the most likely to be musically, uh, uh, to make it in the music business? And I thought, this is me, Mr. Trumpet. Little did I realize in my naive state that trumpets don't really make a good solo instrument. And so they picked a guy by the name of Adam Schick who had voice like an angel. And truly, even to this day, he's down in Nashville making uh, people rise and fall on the, on the country waves and, and producing and all sorts of things. And, and, and great, good job. And so then they would ask, who's most likely to fail? And they picked this kid who I still don't know his real name, but we called him Dopey. And <laughs> it was that for a reason, because this kid just loved to get into mischief and really some of the worst kinds of mischief. So it was it very, very much fit who he was. And everybody, now they don't ask that, right? They, they don't even keep score at soccer. So we're not going to ask who's likely to fail. And I'll never forget, you know, living some of those days. If you'll just bear with me, I promise we'll go somewhere. But I, I, I just had to take a moment because when I graduated, our graduating class now was just being born. So... <laughs> It's been a few years. Amen. It's been a little bit. So I'll never forget, cell phones all of a sudden became a real thing. Pagers were going by the wayside. We think we voted in our president, George W. Bush. We're still not sure with all the hanging chads and all of that, which was confusing in Florida. And for some reason, the car that everybody wanted to drive was either a Camaro, a Firebird, or a Trans Am. To this day, I won't buy that era of vehicle because I saw so many kids trash them. I'll never forget. And, and again, just, just deal with me for just, is this all right for just a moment? I'll, I promise I'll get somewhere. So in high school, my brother would drive us home as a, as a freshman. He was a senior, and it seemed like all these kids were just blessed with some of the sweetest cars. You just breathe on the gas pedal. These tires are lighting up, and it's just taking off. Well, our parents thought it must have been funny to get Jeremy a little car called a Horizon. So you know what I'm talking about. It was a little hatchback, and we called it our hoopty. And so I looked up what hoopty really means. Webster actually has the word, and it's known as an old or dilapidated car. This was our horizon. It fit. And so everybody at school, it'd be this multi-highway that we'd get onto, like five or six lanes across with turning lanes, all this stuff. And Every kid would get there with their Firebird or their Trans Am or their Camaros, and they just, man, they'd punch it, and the, the tires would just squeal. It's like parents must have been buying tires like every month back then. These kids would just take off. Dollar, gas was a dollar a gallon. Hello? You could take off like that not worry about the consequences and skipping a meal to fill your tank. And so they would take off, and, and we'd get there, and Jeremy's like, this is going to work. <laughs> Great. So there we were. We'd sit there in a horizon, a little hatchback that... I think it had two doors, uh, maybe four, but I can't really remember. This thing was just a compact, just a tiny little engine that could, you know. And so he'd just punch it. As soon as we get across the first lane, the second lane, the turning lane, and then he'd just whip that wheel as hard as he could to the left and pull the emergency brake. <laughs> and it would lock up a tire, and we would squeal getting out of that parking lot. <laughs> Bless the Lord. And so for 180 days of school, we did 180 emergency test systems on our parking brakes. <laughs> and every day I said, Jeremy, why? Why do we got to go through this? He said, because it's cool. <laughs> it's what everybody else does. My car will squeal. So we got through it as a senior. I'll never forget, you know, again, 
uh, all of a sudden I'm able to ride with my eventual neighbor and best buddy named Eric, and we'd ride around in an old Corsica, and he thought it was cool to show up at like 6.50 in the morning or whatever time it was, we'd get in the car, and he'd just blare the, the dumbest music in the world, and we just drive to, to school every day. It was the same CD. It was that one where it was pretty fly for a white guy. I thought, dear Lord, why do we have to live this every day? He, and the same, same answer. It was just cool. It's what you did. But I also remember as a young adult, our church. I'll never forget we had the nastiest little food chain called Mr. Penguins just a block away. But we were there every, like, three nights a week. We'd show up at church, just like we do here. We'd go to prayer for youth. We'd go to choir practices. One time we made a CD, and it made such an impact on my life. It was truly a season of time. In that season, I'll, I'll never forget how easy it felt, how free it felt. There was just no repercussions. It felt like there was no downfall. You just got to live life a little bit. And so that brings me to today a touch, and I find ourselves, here we are embarking on yet another summer, and I think it's funny, this year, again, has been 18 years since I graduated myself. Yeah. Life is but a vapor, amen. <laughs> and some wonder what the song of the summer might be. Some wonder what the best memory of this summer might be, and some truly want to leave a mark on their generation, whether good or bad. Some of us have left the thought of doing something great already out of our summers, and tonight I want to take us back to what Paul had written. When he wrote to Timothy, what we had just read, he said it like this, For I am now ready to be offered. He had already lived his life. Second Timothy's it for Paul. He doesn't write anymore. This is considered the last letter that he wrote. He said, I am ready to be offered at the time of my departure is at hand. I have fought a good fight. I have finished my course and I have kept the faith. So tonight, my first question to you is how is your fight? I look back at how Paul started. You know how he started? He started around an apostle named Stephen. In Acts 7, it takes us there, and, and Paul was then known as Saul, and he was considered a persecutor of Christians. But as we look into how Stephen uh, taught and trained Saul or Paul at that time, it was completely on the other side of the spectrum. Saul slash Paul didn't know who he was. He, didn't, he thought, here I am finally taking care of these people that are trying to wreck everything. But Stephen was, or Stephen, sorry, was, was teaching him how to fight. Stephen, I, I try to look up everything that Stephen had wrote. In Acts 7, it says this. He just speaks plain. Ye stiff-necked and uncircumcised in heart and ears, do you always resist the Holy Ghost as your fathers did? So do ye. Stephen wasn't playing around. If you keep reading it, it's, it's in the end of Acts. It's 51, 54, and 5 of ver, uh, chapter 7. And he says flat out, he goes, I told them, just like your dad, you guys reject everything until it's too late. He was teaching Paul to fight. The first step, seniors or whoever wants to listen, the first step of life is that you've got to have a fight about you. The fight needs to be, church, that we keep going in everything we believe, that we stand up for what we believe, and we just don't let everything take us over. It said, when he heard these things, they were cut to the heart, and they gnashed on him with their teeth. But he, being full of the Holy Ghost, looked up steadfastly into heaven, saw the glory of God, and Jesus standing on the right hand of God. Stephen was so sure in what he was doing, he didn't even care of the outcome. 
When we get, because you, you understand, we don't wrestle against flesh and blood, but against principalities and powers. We're not here to fight each other. We're here to fight after the things that God is after and to get rid of the things he doesn't want. Our fight is not with people. Stephen knew this to the point. He understood, I don't care what you think of this. It, it's funny, if, if you'll read even different translations of seven a little bit, they say that Stephen was just... Didn't even realize these people are grinding their teeth. They're getting ticked. They're picking up rocks. They're leading him out of the city like, why don't you just come this way, Steve? <laughs> they, they begin to usher him out. They begin to take him out, and then they throw stones at him. Stephen then starts realizing this could be it. And so he looks up to God, and he's like, don't, don't let this be on them. Don't, don't let this sin rest on them, Lord. Just forgive them. And, and it says he fell asleep, and he died. Stephen gave all in his fight. Sometimes I wonder how far our fight would take us. It's easy to say, I'll live for Christ. Some people say, I'll even give for Christ. But would you really die for him? Would you give all that you have so that he would know exactly what you're fighting? So I ask again, are you fighting the good fight? The fight is really in your thoughts. It's in your prayer life. It's in uh, your acquaintances. See, I have friends that aren't in church, but the question really becomes, am I affecting them or are they affecting me? I've got to make sure, and again, I know I'm a youth pastor, so uh, allow me to just indulge to our young people. You've got to make sure you choose the right path. The people you keep closest are the ones that should be the most valuable to you as an asset and not a hindrance. Don't let them sway what your future holds. Don't let them dictate the, 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 the things and the, the roads that they lead you down. In choosing your atmosphere, you have to fight in the places that you allow yourself to be in. Yes. See, some of us know it's summertime, right? There's concerts everywhere. And we'll go to those concerts everywhere because it's just out in the summer. We just It's music we like, whatever the case might be. And I'm not here to preach against that's pastor. I'll let him... Let him handle that. But ultimately, you can be in the wrong place thinking you're just out having a good night. And then all of a sudden, your ability to fight is absolutely quenched. You're not fighting. You're imprisoned in a place where you know you shouldn't be. Indulging in things you never meant to be a, a part of or around. You have to choose your fight. Fight the good fight. I've said it before, and it, it still holds true today, that the opposite of love isn't hate, but it still is apathy. The Bible says if you love God, you'll keep his commandments to witness about his blood, his holiness, his righteousness. But to not love God means that you take this season of life because for some reason, at least in youth, summers do something to people. We've already kind of seen it where some will start vacations, which is fine. I understand time with family is valuable. It's important. But sometimes it will change your personal atmosphere. It will change who you're supposed to be. And all of a sudden, you're wondering, why am I cold? Why don't I have a prayer life? Why do I feel like I can't reach the throne of God? And truly, it's not because you hate him. It's because all of a sudden, you don't see the need to reach to him. It's like, I don't care. That's the opposite of love. It's just a not caring attitude. You've got to care. You've got to say things and, and not say things like, they don't need me on an outreach day. They don't really need my prayers. They're going to figure it out. They don't need my efforts. They're going to make it. They'll get things done without me. They don't need me. And all of a sudden, it's like, a, oh, well, spirit. That will, that, that's where God is trying to keep us from being because that means we've given up on our fight. 
You've got to have a fight. In Ecclesiastes, Solomon says it like this, Whatsoever thy hand findeth to do, do with all thy might. There is no work, nor device, nor knowledge, nor wisdom in the grave, whether thou goest. In other words, you have been given this day and this time to use what God has given you for his kingdom and for your ability to succeed. You can't save it until the grave. Whatever you've been given in life, you need to use it now. There's no point in just uh, amassing a whole bunch of stuff or a whole bunch of wealth or a whole bunch of whatever in life just to take it to the grave. It will do you no good there. As many funerals that have exited this church, I've never seen a U-Haul behind them. Okay, so you pass it down. Great. And there's nothing wrong with that. You pass down a lot of things. My inheritance from my parents has nothing to do with money has to do with the, spirit, uh, the scripture and the word and God. I've got to make sure that my fight, again, has nothing to do with flesh and blood. We must fight against laziness. I've got to fight against pride, low self-esteem. I've got to fight against oppression, oppression. I've got to fight against a haughty spirit or being offended. If there's any flesh that we fight, it's our own. That's the fight that we fight. We must fight the good fight. And then it leads on to this, the second question. How will you finish your course? A good fight is nice, but finishing is essential. The Bible talks about it where it says, you know, it's, it really is better if you don't start something. And if you start something and quit, they say that you'll be mocked and you'll be laughed at if you quit something because you started it and couldn't get to the finish line. I don't know about you. I did not start this to quit. Everything I believe in, everything I've ever done in my life, it's not just to give up halfway through. Amen. And I know that a lot of times I've looked in my life, I've seen some of the greatest youth pastors, assistant pastors, pastors, people of, of high levels of general youth secretaries and general presidents. I, I think to myself, how in the world could I ever get to those levels of, of success and, and recognition or whatever the case might be to just feel successful? But I've watched those people that have sought fame and they've got it. And then I watch how they turn out, and I see them fall like never before. I've watched a preacher I used to look up to. I used to love this guy. His preaching was fiery. He was great. And he, he put online, you know, he had a new church that was all not believing in truth and just whichever way. And he began to baptize people. He baptized his daughter. That dude was so tongue-tied, he didn't even know which way was up. He mentioned like eight titles. He mentioned like 12 scriptures. And then all of a sudden, she's down and up, and I'm confused about who got baptized for what. And it was like, what did you leave? for fame why didn't you finish what you started to finish you've got to finish this race you've got to stay on there's an old song that said it like this there's a reason that i can't turn back now i've come too far to turn around anybody ever heard it i'd sing it but i we're not we'll spare everybody there's a reason i can't stop running this race i've got to see jesus face to face and the course says, keep on fasting, keep on praying, keep on believing, stay in the race till I see Jesus face to face. I've got to make sure I stay in this race. It's amazing when I even look at the author of that song, it just hit me looking up the lyrics because I felt God put the song on my heart. It was a, a pastor, a mega pastor that uh, no longer even believes in hell. He just lets his church go and do whatever, and he's lost everything because he's given up on the race he started out to finish. I've got to finish this race. You don't start just to quit. 
some people say, there's no way I can imagine being a Christian for the next 50 years. And, and, and the thought there is, okay, fine. Will you be one tomorrow? So don't, don't worry about the next 50 years. Will you be a Christian tomorrow? Have you ever ran a marathon? Yeah, me neither. <laughs> but they say part of it is that you just have to think about your next step. Stop thinking about 12 miles down the road. You've got to just make sure, can I get to this checkpoint? Can I get to the next one? You've got to keep going through life if it's checkpoint by checkpoint until you reach that finish line. I can't stop. There was a man by the name of John Akwarhi. He was an Olympian, and he was a marathon runner. And so in his, his year to finally be in the, Olympian, or the Olympics, and he took off running, they say right out of the gate within the first mile or so, he fell and dislocated his knee. And it pretty much took him out. You know, across the race, it was never a big deal for marathoners, even in the Olympics, to fall or to hurt or to injure or just to, uh, you know, gas out and not make it to the end. And so they would just drop out. And, uh, you know, after a couple hours or however long it was, you would start to see them enter. They would always start on the circle. They'd run around whatever city they were part of and usually end up back in the circle for the finish. And uh, so the doors would open, and here comes the first runners. And they come around, and they finish, you know, gold medal, silver medal, bronze medal, no big deal. And, and, and everybody had seemed to come in that was done, and, and the games kept going on, and there was more things happening uh, in the track and field on the inside. And they say an hour later, after the finish, comes this John Akwarhi guy. And he just starts coming into the, the stadium, and he's limping bad, and he's starting to run around the track, and he's starting to make his way to the finish. And the crowd's like, who's this guy? And so they, they notice, you know, he's got a tag. He's an Olympiad. So they just start cheering. They don't even know why or where he came from, but here he goes. Let's see him finish. And they begin to ask, John, why'd you keep running? He goes, well, look at you. I mean, it's been an hour since everyone's quit. It's, it's over. You could have stopped anywhere along the way, and it never been a, a big issue. And John said, all of my sponsors and my country didn't send me here to start a race. They sent me here to finish one. If we could get that mindset about us with Christ... We aren't here to just start races. We're here to finish them. I want to have a mindset that, God, you're going to take me through every situation, every storm, every circumstance, knowing that I'm going to finish this thing, knowing I'm going to succeed through all pain, through all disease, through all circumstances. God will have his way, and I will finish. That's what I want to know. We can't be a church of quitters. Paul said it best in Philippians 3, Brethren, I do not count myself to have apprehended. But this one thing I do, forgetting all those which are behind and reaching forth into those things which are before, I press towards the mark for the prize of the high calling in Christ Jesus. Remember again, this isn't about participation trophies. It's about a prize. I'm sorry, but if you don't know what I'm in this for, it is for the ultimate prize. Amen. Nothing else will do. I've got to make heaven my home. It's all about the prize. And the third question I want to ask tonight are we keeping the faith? To look up the word faith, it means that you must complete, or, or meaning complete trust or confidence in someone or something. Where is your faith? Where is the truth in your life or your belief? And so I ask that in a different way. What's your doctrine worth? What is your beliefs and your whole faith system worth to you? In my life, it has to be worth everything. I have to keep my soul. My faith means that we must hold fast to this doctrine. Matthew 6 says it like this. Lay not up yourselves treasures in, in, on earth where moth and rust doth corrupt, where thieves break through and steal, but lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven 
where neither moth nor doth, rust doth corrupt, and where thieves do not break through nor steal. For where your treasure is, there will your heart be also. I've got to make sure that the place I've put my stuff, I won't lose it. My faith, my finish, <laughs> and my fight all need to be rested in heaven. You see, anytime I put things on the temporary and, and the things of this world, I understand that it's not going to profit me nothing. It will rust. It will corrupt. There's scripture where worms are going to come and eat it. <laughs> Amen. I don't want that with the things that I treasure most. My faith must rest in Him. It never is to rest in man. It's to rest in Him. I have a faith that lies up in heaven. And we think the problem we have is we think there's plenty of time to get our faith right. And that you don't have to wait until, or you can wait until the last minute to mess with your faith. Can I tell you something about time? Time is so fast, it's unbelievable. I have now been out of high school as long as I had been through high school. 35, 36 years of life, I'm halfway. The Bible talks about three score and ten. And if you're lucky, maybe another ten. So I'm technically promised 70, 80 years best. And here I am halfway through it. it just, it's just a blink. From 17 or 18 years ago, I cannot tell you where time went, but it has disappeared. It's gone. There's no rekindling it. There's no going back to it. I'm here forever and for always, and every second ticks further away. Time is essential. You've got to lay up things for your life now. Psalms 39, David said it like this, Behold, thou hast made my days as a handbreadth, and my age is nothing before thee. Verily, every man at his best state is altogether vanity. Do you realize that it's simply a handbreadth? Life is a handbreadth. In all of this space and everything we experience, the Bible calls it about four inches wide. That's how long life is. It's short. It also says it like this in James. Whereas ye know not what shall be on the morrow, for what is life? It is even a vapor that appeareth for a little time and then vanisheth away. I've got to understand how fast time is. I'm going to tell two quick stories and I promise I'm going to be done, all right? The first one is one where we thought that nothing could ever happen. It was a young man that was graduated. He had already done his first year of college, and everything was looking up. The talent of this man was unbelievable. He was a singer that uh, we've got videos with him, and I'm sure that the, the stories would touch a lot of you. A lot of you know who I'm talking about. And out of nowhere, on a morning in May, Chase Marshall fell asleep at the wheel took his truck into a ditch, wrecked it, flew out of the car, and in a matter of hours later was dead, gone, done. You see, you guys that think we have eternity or you've got the next 40 or 50 years, even though the Bible says that that's what's promised man, doesn't mean that that's what's promised this man. I've got to make sure that my faith is ready, that my finish line could be tomorrow. And truly that my fight must be a thing of the present. I've got to make sure that I've got myself ready today. I'm not promised tomorrow. I'm not promised next week. And it doesn't matter how talented you are. It doesn't matter how blessed you are or how perfect you are. If God decides it's time and this is what was allotted for your life, then it's time. That's what happens. As the music comes, 
The last story that, that touched me when I began to feel God impress uh, this, this on me and this message, and I, I, I know it's whatever, it's just a simple thought of the fight, the finish, and the faith, but I'll never forget, even at the end of life, when you feel like everything was gone, I'll never forget what Bishop Price was like. I'll never forget, I, I'm pretty sure I was the last guy that heard him preach. I don't know if they were on vacation or if gone or what, but I remember sitting here in this front row, and he was up here standing, and I remember every sentence, and he was all he could do to just lean and put strength and, and pressure on this as he began to preach and teach. And I just, he, he even stopped his message at one point. He goes, I appreciate that young man that's amen to me every sentence. I felt like I was living history for just a moment. And I was. Oh, man. Stand with me. And then to hear just a few months later he would be in the hospital, whether on hospice or just knowing that the end was coming in his, I believe his 90s or at least late 80s. And he would begin to ask his family, crying out in almost a fear, saying, do you think I'm ready? Do you think I'll make heaven? Do you think that I'll, I'll make it? Do you think that I've, I've ran this right? Do you think God's forgiven me? Do you think that I'm going to make it? Do you think he's happy with me? If a man that we all looked up to and love questions and wonders just to make sure he's got his life ready, isn't it up to me to do the same thing to say, God, am I ready? If you came today for my life, if you called my number, am I ready? Am I ready for this time? Have I fought the good fight? <laughs> have I finished my course? And have I kept the faith? So tonight, I know we're all friends in this place. We have guests, but I know you guests from other churches and stuff. So it's all right if it's just us. If you need something from God, I'm not saying that you can't get it or anything like that. But I wonder what it would be like if even on this wonderful start to summer, if we would just take some time to find a place and pray and begin to ask God, Lord, am I fighting the good fight? Do I have my mind in place? Do I have my thoughts right? Lord, am I finishing this thing okay? Have I given up on things I should hold fast to? Lord, truly, am I, am I seeking after you, God? Is everything going right? Am I doing this okay? Am I finishing this course, Lord? Am I keeping the faith? So tonight, I begin to ask you the same questions. Are you fighting the good fight? Are you keeping your faith? Are you finishing your course? As the music plays and as, as we begin to close, I wonder if we could make this altar a place that we truly make some altars before God. Would you find a place to pray? Maybe just pour yourself out to Him and begin to ask God, would you help me to get some things straight? Lord, if it's co-workers that don't need to be in my life, Lord, would you help me to separate myself from them? That's it. Find a place to pray. Find a place to pray. Lay yourself before the Lord. Let Him examine you tonight.